Yeah, perfect. Okay, good morning. We are on Chof Gimel Amud Beis. So, we were talking about yesterday about about um, Hazmana, whether, whether designating something is considered a valid designation for a, um, for an, for a Dover Shabbat and then we were also discussing yesterday about Tashmisha Kedusha. So we said there are four levels. There's a Gufa Kedusha, which is the actual anything that has the Ksav of the Torah. We saw of Chaim Velazhin. Nefesh Chaim says the source of Kedusha in the whole world is the actual words of Torah. And that's why we saw of Salvechik said that's why a Yid has to be buried as opposed to a non Jew. Because when we are a fetus, the Malach comes and teaches all, all the Torah. And therefore, we as Yidin are, have the status of a Gufa Kedusha. As opposed to a Nachri who never learned, even if they're a Gertoshov, even if they are Shomer Zayim Mitzvah Menoch and they're Gomle Chasadim, they don't have the obligation to be buried because we hold that Divrei Tashmishe Kedusha Nignazin. The Gemara in Megillah Dav Chafa says anything that has inherent Kedusha has to be buried, as opposed to Tashmishe Mitzvah, like Tzitzis Nizrakin. They can theoretically be thrown out. Okay, so now just practical halacha. So this is some interesting halacha uh, lemaisa and what we do with certain items. So I want to start off as follows. This is a little bit of a history lesson. As far as <clears throat> contemporary Christian belief, what was the fruit that uh, what was the fruit uh, of, of Gan Eden that uh, that Chava sinned with? The apple, right? The, the apple, and so much so that apple has become synonymous with evil. That the Latin word for apple is malum, M A L U M. And that is the root of the word maleficent or malicious. Malicious is evil. Maleficent is causing harm by supernatural means. And by the way, how do you say, uh, how do you say uh, apple in Italian today? Instead of M-A-L, mela, mela, or M-E-L-A. So it's all the same root word from the word apple. The truth is, in the Gemara, one, one more question. In the Sistine Chapel, where Michelangelo painted the scene of Gan Eden, what fruit did he paint? Apple. You, n- incorrect. <laughs> what fruit did he paint? Uh, Interesting. Lemon. No. A fig. A fig. The Gemara in Brachos Daf Mem in Sanhedrin Daf Ayin says there were three possibilities what the fruit was in Gan Eden that, that Chava and Adam sinned with. One is a fig, one is a grape, and one is a wheat. Now it's kind of hard to understand how a wheat looked juicy to the eye how a stalk of wheat looked appealing. But that, as, they, as they state in the Gemara, brachos daf memson edrin daf ayin. It's known that Michelangelo was brought up in the Medici home, which was a Torah home. And the only way that he would have known about a fig is if he heard his, his, his uh, foster family, so to speak, learn, learn Gemara. Nowhere else, everywhere else is talking about an apple. And Michelangelo wow. depicted the picture with a fig. This is one of the proof, many proofs that he was brought up in a firm home, even though he himself was not obviously Jewish, but he was brought up in a firm home in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Italy uh, where they learned Torah. Now, it's interesting, by the way, again, if everyone always assumes apple. All contemporary uh, Christian beliefs is apple. But he picked, depicted it as a fig, and he got it from the Gemara. Now, there's another source. The Medrash Rabbah says it was not, a, it was not a, any of those three fruits. It was a... Esrog. And the reason they bring an Esrog is as follows. That's how I'm going to tie into this. The Pasuk says, Vatera Isha, Kitova eats Lemachal, because the fruit looked appealing to eat. The Chisavu Lenaim was very desirable. It's hard to understand how a stalk of wheat is so desirable when you're, when you're 
you're, you're, you're parched and you need something to quench your thirst, a juicy fig, a juicy grape I could hear. But a piece of wheat, it's a little bit harder. There's a whole shtickle Torah about that. Maybe we'll get to that at a later date. It says, It was so appealing. She took it and she gave it to her husband as well. The, the, the Medrash and Breshat's Rabbah says, the only fruit, he learns from this, they learn from this passage, the only fruit where the bark tastes the same as the fruit is the esrog. So it had to have been an esrog. Okay. Exactly. So there actually is a tamim and hagim that brings down that women would take a bite of the esrog after Sukkot is over. Now, we discussed yesterday that all these mitzvahs, we're only talking about what can you do with tashmishe mitzvah, an item that was used for mitzvah only after the time to perform the mitzvah is done. So a shofar after Rosh Hashanah can theoretically be thrown out. Not on Rosh Hashanah, when still hooked to mitzvah, so it's still set aside for its mitzvah. Similarly, the Dalad Minim, the Schach, Possibly even the defanos, even the walls, which is a chiddush, because that's not really the, the ikar part of the sukkah. The ikar part of the sukkah is schach. But be that as it may, so on. So listen, we'll understand the minog now. <clears throat> We're not allowed to use the esrog for jam or for vodka or for besamim on sukkahs, but after sukkahs you can use it for other things. So the minog was that women would take a bite of the esrog as soon as sukkahs ended. Why? Because once you understand that Esrog was, according to the Bracious Rabbah, the Medrash, that, that was the fruit that was involved. And what day was it asked to her? On Friday. They were born on Friday. It's also brought down that had she waited another day on Shabbos, it would have become mutter for her. So, and what was the punishment for partaking of the fruit? Oh, it would have a difficult time with labor. So women today, who are pregnant women, are supposed to wait dafka till after Sukkis, to show Kaddish Barchel, had they been in Gan Eden, they would have waited the extra day mm-hmm. when it would have been Mutter. And by taking a bite, then to show Kaddish Barchel that we would have listened to you, HaKaddish Barchel should have rachamim and give them an easy pregnancy and easy labor. That's the source of the Minhag. So it's just very interesting. But be that as it may. So what do we do with the Esrog? What do we do with the Dal and Minim after? We're talking about Tashmishe Mitzvah now. We know that Nizrakin. Now we said yesterday that the, that the Shulchan Aruch says, one can actually throw out the tzitzis after they're detached or severed. You can, now, we said that the, <clears throat> that, the, uh, that, the, uh, that the Ramah says you should do it not in a derech genai or in derech bizayon. Okay, I would recommend everyone listening to the first five minutes of the share today. You'll hear an interesting minog. Um, so we can't get rid of it derech bizayon. So what do we do with the dal and medium, in fact? So what is the best way to get rid of it? So we have many, many minhagim. Listen to what the Shulchan Aruch says, and then we're going to make this all practical. It says, We said yesterday that when the tzitzis are detached from the Beged, you can actually throw them out. And the Mishnah Brewer said, and I said, The Ramah added, It's not that it should be treated in a disrespectful or disgraceful manner. It's just that you're able to throw them out. It doesn't mean you should do it in such a way. And then he brought the Yesh Medaktikin that those who are very careful do it in a Bekavadik way or to bury it, Tavalein Bracha. <clears throat> Listen to what the Mishnah Brewer says, by the way. The Mishnah Brewer says about the Tzitzis, and now we're going to tie this to the Dalad Min and what to do with them after Sukkot. The Mishnah Brewer says, Chutei Tzitzis, regarding Tzitzis, he says, This is in regard to all Tashmishah Mitzvah, not just Tzitzis. Kigon Sukkah, Lulav Shofar, it's interesting, he brings everything related to Tishrei, but Sukkah, Lulav Shofar, only once the time to perform the mitzvah is done 
can you go ahead and then get rid of them? And he says, La'ashma, the Mishnah Bura says, tashmish maguna, you cannot go ahead and throw out a shofar with Monday morning trash. You have to do it in a Bekavadik way. So what should we do with the Dalaminim? What's defined as a Bekavadik, a respectful way? So now, at first glance, we said this is an extreme option of throwing them in the garbage like the Mechaber. And then we said, the, the Ramah says you should do it. I, the ideal way is to bury them. Even though they're not required, if you bury them, something good will happen to you. So what should we do practically? What should we do? How do we get rid of the Dalaminim? So it's interesting. The OU and the star K actually, Paskin, they actually suggest that you put the Dalaminim or anything, not just the Dalaminim, but any of Tashmisha Mitzvah in a separate, not Tashmisha Kedusha. We're not talking about a mantle or a Torah or a Tefillin bag. We're talking about Tashmisha Mitzvah. Things that do not have inherent Ksiva in it. They don't have Psukim in it. And they were used in conjunction with the Mitzvah. So they should be put in a separate bag and then thrown out. If you want to put in a double bag, that's even better, but it's not, nece- it's not necessary here. Some have a minhag to do what with the dalaminim? What, what do they do? They wait until Pesach and they burn it. Interestingly enough, that's not brought down the Shulchan Aruch. The Yosef brings it down somewhere else. Say again? That's a separate question. The question is by the Aravos. Where did that come from? So the real thing is that you're not, the Mishnah brings down that you should not step on the Arava. You should not step on the Arava Derech Vizayon. So people went ahead and started to put it on the Arava. And the truth is, where does you put, it go from there? Right, good question. Right, that, that just gets rid of your obligation. It's like, it's like you know, the old club. You know the, the cars they have on the, on the club you used to have on the steering wheel in New York? It just basically, don't steal my car. Steal the guy's car next to mine, right? It'll be a little bit less of a deterrent. So right, you're just, you're just kicking the can down the curb, right? You're putting it there, but someone has to deal with it. So, so what? Junior, right, okay. That's assuming you're in Boca. But anyway, so... so Right, so actually, if someone else throws out, it's not as bad. It's not a dark Mizanti. We saw that yesterday. So the question is listen to what the Shulchan Aruch says. The Shulchan Aruch says, Yes, Misha Omer Shasu Lehanos Min Arav Al Achar Anatilasa. They're talking about Shana Rabba. We smack it, by the way. There's no Indian to get rid of every single leaf. You see every high school kid on Shana Rabba. He's not Yotzin. He's so Machmer until he gets rid of every single leaf. There's no Indian to get rid of the leaves. That's not the point of it. Anyway, they throw it on top of the Aron afterwards. But listen what the Shulchan Aruch says. Yishmisha Omer Shasu Leinos Min Arav Lachan Tilasa Im Lo Hisna La Mekara Did Kula Yoma Is Katsar The Mitzvasa. You can't get any Hanar from it because it's designated the whole day, right? We're talking about only as long as long as the Mitzvah is still applicable. You can't use it for anything else. The Hagal. Listen to what the Ramah says on that. This is some Vinagol Atznia Oshanas Lafias Matzos Kedilasos Bo Mitzvah. You want to go from Mitzvah to Mitzvah? Use it when you go ahead and you make a fire to bake Matzos. Throw the Aravos in. There's a concept of using a Dvar Mitzvah for another Dvar Mitzvah. So he says, <clears throat> the Ramah says to go ahead and wait. Now, we also see this, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to read inside, but we also see this by the Esrog. It's brought down also that you can use the Esrog for Bissamim. You see people stick those little uh, cloves, those little cloves in there, and they use it as Bissamim. So there is a concept of using... Big smelling of kipper has like a little schmeck topic instead of schmeck topic. It doesn't turn your, uh, your, your mustache hairs yeah, orange. That's not strong enough. So, yeah, it's a little, uh, little more hygienic. So, um, so there, we see the concept of using a Dvar Mitzvah for another, you know, propagating the, uh, the Mitzvahs with it. And he says, by the way, you should just be careful, the Mishnah Burr says, uh, actually the Ramah says, to make sure that it still has smell. Oftentimes by Yom Kippur, uh, the next year, it's dried out already. It's not going to have much of a smell. So that's really the best thing to do with with um, 
with the dalaminim. So either you can use it in the fire, either you can go ahead and if you're beer chametz or fias matzah, or use it for besamim, even, but, but we should not get any hanaf from it. We should certainly not treat it derech bizayon. What about, so by the way, just to answer your question about throwing it on the arun, it's unclear why it's on the arun. The truth is, as long as it's, you're not, you're not supposed to trample on it. They also say that the defanos of the wall of the sukkah, which is somewhat of a chiddish, because that's not part of the mitzvah, actually. The schach is the actual mitzvah, and hence the name sukkah comes from the word schach. But the defanos, they point out, that should not be used as a floor. Don't take the walls of the sukkah afterwards, because that's derech bizayon. You're, you're, you're treating it disgracefully. <clears throat> what about Neros Hanukkah? What do we do with, with, the, with the candles? So we know that Neros Halalu also l'shtamish b'hem, reiki kodesh kodesh heim. Ve'elanu reshush l'shtamish b'hem, el arosim b'vad. We know that we don't have, because <clears throat> they're dvar mitzvah, we're not allowed to get any hanah from it. What about using scented candles? Are you allowed to use scented candles on Hanukkah? Good question, right? Or scented oil. Well, isn't the problem <clears throat> or scented the oil, same thing. What? The problem's the light, though. You're not Very good. To get Very good. So that's what Chaim Kanievsky says. So at first glance, we're not supposed to get any hanar from it. But if you use to have these, these, these uh, candles, aromatic oils or, or candles that, that give a beautiful aroma and fragrance throughout the house, you're getting hanar from it. So does that violate it? Because that's, again, it's something that's hooked to Ashlim so it's we're not supposed to get hanar. So he says, actually, it does not, to Jeff's point, Rav Chaim Kanievsky felt that when it says, Oslo Shlamashem means you can't use it to read a newspaper, to count your money, you can't get the benefit of the light. But you can get the benefit, it doesn't really refer to uh, make it a din that can be used. While he says that it's probably better not to use them, certainly it cannot be, it cannot be uh, prohibited. But now, let's, let's get to the question at hand now. You buy a bottle of oil, we started to speak about this yesterday, you buy a bottle of oil. And you have this whole bottle that you plan on using. When you bought it, you had your intention. By the way, we started to speak about yesterday. When you designate something, this is the whole machlokas here of hasmana milsa or hasmana lav milsa. When you designate something, does that actually count as designated for a mitzvah purpose? So there's a machlokas between the Mishnabrua and the Vilna Gon. The Ron weighs it. The, well, the Ron said it first. Mishnabrua and the Vilna Gon weigh in. The, the Mishnabrua believes that if you buy something with the intention of, for that purpose, that's hasmana. The Vilna Gon says you actually have to articulate. You actually have to say this bag is being purchased for a tefillin bag. Now, if you buy a tefillin bag that size and put your name for the bar mitzvah boy, obviously you're not buying it to hold the Pringles or, or potato chips, right? So obviously <clears throat> certain acts that we do are self-evident. But now, so I buy this, this bottle of, of oil purposely, right? I buy it a week before Hanukkah. We know why it's bought. We, we, right. And you pay $30 where a regular thing of oil, regular is like $6.99. We know what you're buying it for. But now you have a half of the bottle left over. So can you repurpose it or do you have to wait for the next year? So on the one hand, we're afraid that if you, if it's really hooked us limits vaso, so we'll get to that in a second, actually. So I don't want to jump ahead of myself. So we poskin that you actually can repurpose it because we're not talking about the oil that was left in the actual menorah. That's something else. We'll get to that in a second. This never made its way to the menorah. It's still sitting in the kitchen cabinet. So that can be repurposed because we hold hasmana lav milsahi. As far as halacha is concerned, if you designate something, it is not considered halachically valid until you actually designate it and use it. Okay? So the oil that's being used is one thing, but the rest of the oil is not used. So therefore, you can repurpose it. What about the... Could you then potentially, 
For sure. For that bottle, you can, you can throw out. What about the oil, though, that's left in the little cups, in the menorah cups? So you put a uh, whole thing out, and sometimes they burn out prematurely. A wind comes, the air conditioner goes on. The wicks. The wicks. But you still have enough oil. There's still oil in there. So even though we hold that Hazmana Lav say that if you designate something, it's not. We also hold that Tashmishe Kedusha, sorry, Tashmishe Mitzvah can be thrown out. For some reason here, the, the, the Mechaber, the, the Shulchan Aruch, he's the one who said you can throw out tzitzis, right? You can even throw out tzitzis <coughs> in the garbage. He says when it comes to the leftover candles or the leftover oil, you should make a bonfire and get rid of it in a respectful way. He says you shouldn't actually just throw that out. It's not clear exactly why. So the truth is, there's a machlokas between the Rishalmi and the Bavli, uh, whether the actual oil has much higher status, leftover oil in the menorah cups. And, and uh, the Shochanach passes like the Rishalmi against the Bavli, which is very atypical. What we recommend doing is that any of that oil should not just be thrown out. You should put them in a separate bag again and throw them out in a much more respectful manner. Same thing, same thing. Because... You take the whole cup, again, you, no one pours them into the silver thing directly. It destroys the silver. Yeah, so you have a little plastic cup. So you can either pour out the plastic cup. The truth is the plastic cup has the same status, right? Because it was, it was yeah. so you should take out those plastic cups. Thank God and both of us living here can afford to get rid of those. And, uh, and you throw them out in a bag. You put them in a separate Ziploc and you throw it out with the garbage. But at least How you do it. You're talking about when you throw them out? Yeah. Fine. Perfect, perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll buy that, yeah. You should really drink that. You should really, you should really drink it. You should really drink it. Someone should drink it. It's better not to spill it out. You should really drink it. Yeah. You pour, yeah. So you could, you could give a generous, Dr. Marks said, you could pour it generously on the, uh, on the candle to, uh, you know, it takes a, a couple drops. You want to pour four ounces of bimachman to make sure the, the fire will not spontaneously combust. There you go. They come in different numbers, some of them. The ready-made packs of oil for the menorah, some of them are 54, some of them are a little bit less. 44, whatever it is. They do it purposely. 44. So some of them are, are, are without using a shamash. Okay. So we bought one, and we, we thought it was without the shamash. So we had several extra at the end. Everyone's still questioning how you get to 54. Yeah, exactly. Worst case scenario is 52. <laughs> I know, I know, but he's saying. So exactly, so you can save those for next year. So, or, or not, or you can throw them out. Right, uh, correct. So the question is, why is it even a concern? Because the question is, if, has, if Hasmana is something real, we're afraid that if you, it's set aside and you're going to forget... Not that example so much, but if you have a bottle of oil that you're actually squeezing into the cups, then you forget about it and you use it for something else, then you're actually, you know, using it for a mundane purpose. What about using it for something else during Hanukkah? That would probably... The the bottle of oil? Yeah. Like you're using it... Again, but it wasn't... But no, so that... it still wasn't. It wasn't designated as that. So the bigger question... So really your question is, can you you repurpose the oil left over? Let's just... I'm giving a crazy hypothetical example. I'm not talking about left. No, I understand that. But but what you said is not a question. But can you go ahead and then cook latkes? Let's just say you have leftover oil. Can you use that oil to make sufkani elter? So one second. So the truth is you shouldn't because that's... Unless you say that cooking lakas in the out there mitzvah, it's so it's actually not so so it's actually not a mitzvah. But but I think it was Rav Shlomo Zalman. I think it was Rav Shlomo Zalman said I could be wrong. Maybe 
think it was Shlomo Zalman Arbach that said, or was it Rabbi Yashif? I'm not sure. Who said he thinks the reason why we specifically eat donuts on Yant on Hanukkah is because mechayiv and alamichia. Not so much of the oil part of it, but more that you're supposed to make an alamichia and include whatever it is. But but I don't, no one says it's really a mitzvah. That's why. When you buy the larger bottle of oil, you set aside the oil for the menorah, yeah. yeah. and then what's left, you can use. 100%. What about these organizations that actually send you a bottle of oil? That just means it's going to cost you in a check. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's free in this world. Nothing's free. Either you paid for it or you're going to pay for it. No problem. No problem. Now, what about an Aron Kodesh? So what do we do with an Aron Kodesh? So an Aron Kodesh, let's just say, uh, breaks, and someone dedicates a new one. So we know that the Aron Kodesh has to be buried. An Aron Kodesh has to be buried because it's Tashmishe Kedusha. It houses the Sefer Torah. So now the problem comes, what do you do with this Aron Kodesh? We say that Tashmishe Kedusha, Nignazin, so we bury it. The Taz was very bothered by this. The Taz thought that that's not a good use of the Aron Kodesh. So Enochinami, you can't use it for to make a bleachers outside to watch the football on Sunday, but to make a stender from it so someone can learn and dive it, to make a bench, to make a table, to make a swarm shrunk, something that's related to Kedusha. Okay? That, so now, so, so, so the Taz was there of the opinion that even though we know that Ein Moridim B'Kodesh, we spoke in the past that a Torah, Sefer Torah Shabbalah, if you have a Sefer Torah that's worn out, you cannot make, or Tefillin, you cannot make a mezuzah from it, because Ein Moridim B'Kodesh. So, so we know that, we just said that Tashmishe Kedusha, and our own, which houses the Sefer Torah, breaks, someone dedicates a new one, what do you do with it? So the Lachas is supposed to bury it, but the Taz was very bothered by this. He says, why should it go to waste? At least use it for... It sits, in, it sits in the ground, it benefits no one. You make a shtender, you make a table, you make a bench in the shul, people are learning, steiging away. So most, many of the Akronim were bothered by this for several, several, several Gemaras. One of them was the Avni Nezer, he asked a few questions. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin Dafyud Beis that says as follows, we're all familiar with <coughs> the concept that before Yom Kippur, they would always set aside a second Kohen Gadol, just in case the first one became Tommy, and you know what to do the Avodah. So picture the scenario. You have Kohen Gadol A, whatever reason, becomes Tameh. Kohen B, they, bring, they call to the, to the bullpen. He comes, does the Avoda, and then pinch hitter, pinch pitcher, relief pitcher, whatever you want. And then this, the day after Yom Kippur, his, his Tuma ends, and now Kohen Gadol A comes back to resume his position. Now, you have to give him back the position. It was his position to lose. He got it back. What do you do with the Kohen Gadol, the relief pitcher? To go back to be a regular Kohen is a Bizayon. He already did the Avoda. And if you keep him there, it's going to cross. The Gemara says it's going to cause jealousy. So you know what he does? Sits there in limbo. The Gemara says he sits there in limbo. Even if he's 30 years old, the rest of his life he sits in limbo. He doesn't do Kohen head joke stuff, he doesn't do Kohen Gato stuff. He's the permanent Kohen Gato in backup. Backup. He's in limbo. That's limbo, right? But the fact that Gemara says he shows this is a, the Taz is wrong. Exactly what you just say. Wouldn't it be better at least if he does the Kohen head yield stuff? So uh, the Gemara doesn't say that. So you, the Taz, who say bury the, uh, there's no bigger waste of 
What's human life, meaning the potential for him to do the avoda? What's a bigger bizarre? A piece of wood sitting in the floor, in, in six feet under? Or a Kohen God who was able to go ahead and do the avoda? Or at least do his part in the, as the Kohen Hedjot and not do it? So there's another. The the uh, the 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 Cohen God though, um, I don't while think so. Yes, not while he's the relief pitcher. So now, now, um, so that's a very good question. So Marty just says, how do you compare? The Taz can get out of this very easily. What the Taz can say, thank you, Marty. What the Taz can say is that one is Tashmisha Kedusha, one is Gufa Kedusha. The actual Kohen Gadol, we said that a person himself is the Gufa Kedusha, maybe that you can't go down in. But maybe the Taz will still be able to answer it. Very good, right? There are different levels. We said there are four levels. There's Gufa Kedusha, there's Tashmisha Kedusha, Tashmisha Mitzvah, and Tashmish to Tashmish. We said that the, the plastic bag outside of the tefillin bag is a Tashmish to Tashmish. My, my plastic towel bag has no kedusha whatsoever. That can literally be tossed out. All right? That's a tashmish to tashmish. But that's the fourth lowest level. The highest level, as Marty's pointing out, is the gufa kedusha. That's what we spoke about yesterday, why Yid has to be buried as opposed to a non-Jew. So maybe the Taz will answer that there's a difference. How could you compare? One is the gufa kedusha. The person himself has the kedusha status. That's the, the highest level of kedusha. He was a Kohen. He did that. Per- he did that. Did the avoda. To an Aron, it may not be as, as strong of a question. Another example that's brought down that, that, the, that they ask from on the Taz is the Gemara also says there that can the Kohen Gadol's clothing ever be worn by Kohen Hedyo? We know those four verses eight. So those extra begadim, and the Gemara seems to suggest, no, the Machlokas seems to suggest, at least according to one opinion of Dosa, that it can't be. So again, is it better that it just sits in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a closet and just uh, gets uh, cobwebs on it and moths eat it or should be used? So the fact that we see that there are other examples throughout Shas where even though logically it would say better to give some use to it, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily... Uh, um, okay, that's a whole separate question. We have a lot of sellers, a shul. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. The whole sugi there is in Megillah, but we'll hopefully after Brachas we'll get to Megillah. But that's a whole separate... Are you allowed to sell shul for other purposes? Who's allowed to sell shul? So we should never repurpose a shul. I mean, you should nev- never repurpose a shul, ideally, right? The, the people th- all throughout Europe would try to go ahead and, and when it was going to be sold as a church, God forbid, or something, they would try to raise funds and only stalled it. They took the money and eventually it was sold anyway, sadly, to a church. But, okay, now, tefillin bags. This is the one, this is the big one. So what do we do with tefillin bags? What is the status of a tefillin bag? So a tefillin bag, if you think about it, we spoke about yesterday, the, the let's just say, the, the mantle touches the gufa kedusha, touches the cloth of a Torah, zikr, it is a tashmisha kedusha. The bottom of the tefillin are also holding, the, uh, touching the actual tefillin. The, what we put on the bima, when we, when we read from the Kriyasa Torah, and we open the Torah and put it directly on the bima, we usually have a little bit of a cloth there, whatever, also tashmisha kedusha. Now, the question is, what about a tefillin bag? Now, tefillin bag, theoretically, it's already covered, and so it's not coming in direct contact. So this is interesting. We, we touched once yesterday. Rashi seems to say that the Ritsuos have inherent Kedusha because the Ritsuos spell the name of Shakai. Shin, then a Dalid, and then a Yud. So that in of itself gives the, the status of the, of the Nartik, of the tefillin, the bag of the tefillin, as Kedusha, Tashmishe Kedusha, and therefore, what's the halacha? They are thrown out or they're buried? They're buried. Now, turns out, just as 
just getting on my soapbox here, when people take off their tefillin and they, the retsuas are touching the ground, probably not the best case, right? You should put your retsuas on a chair. If they have kedusha, it shouldn't be. So, we're, so they shouldn't be touching the ground. So we should just be a little cognizant. If we take out some halachas from this, we should, when we, we should treat even the retsuas with respect. Now, what about tzitzis? So now it's not as big of a problem. We were all davening outside during COVID and it was raining and the tzitzis are negroring, are, are dragged through the mud and the pools. We have to have a little more uh, respect for the tzitzis. So we should try just in mind also that when you're walking outside, you're going Shabbos, out, outdoor kiddush, pick up the tzitzis off the floor. We're talking about bismansha. Thank you. Um, when, when, it's, when it's dragging in the mud, it's, it's a derech bizayon. It's not a, So these are just things to have in mind. So, uh, you know, all these things that we spoke about, that it's just, re- the important thing is to treat the things, even tashmisha mitzvah, during the time when it's hukzal and mitzvah, so has to be treated with the utmost respect. Even after they're done, we saw that the, the, the Ramad disagreed with the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch. The Mechaber said, Yachol azark and ashba, you can throw them out. We should do that either with a double bag or the star cane. Oh, you say one bag is okay. But everything we get rid of, we should do it with Bederach Kavod. Um, okay, so that's the sugi of Tashmisha Kedusha and Tashmisha Mitzvah. Um, let's go on a little bit in the Gemara. Any questions before we go on? So was there a conclusion with the Aron? So most people do not agree with the Taz. Most people... So, so most people say it should be buried. They do disagree. Interesting, by the way, just different times in today. I forgot to mention, the Karban Nisanel has an interesting about the Aron Kodesh. The Aron Kodesh in yesteryear, we would put this Sefer Torah without a mantle directly. We are always, you know, mantles are not cheap, by the way. Mantles can cost several hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars. So we take it for granted living in North America that everyone puts a beautiful mantle on a Sefer Torah. In the old times, they didn't necessarily have that. So when they would put the, Aron, the Sefer Torah in the Aron, it would zikr be a Tashmish Kedusha because it's coming in direct contact with the cloth. And the Karban Asana wanted to suggest that in today's times, um, that the Aron Kodesh would be. Tashmishay mitzvah, not Tashmishay kedusha. The mantle is the separator. So the mantle has the Tashmishay kedusha that has to be buried. But an Aron Kodesh doesn't because it's one step removed. Okay. What about the safe? We we don't. But what? The safe they use today to. So that that would be the same thing. So the same thing. But if it has a if it has a mantle around it, then at least according to, we don't hold like this. But at least according to carbon asano. Yeah, I'm just saying. What do you do with the safe? I think it's have the same status. So if the safe is holding safe tower, then that's an Aaron Kodesh. And what do you do with it when, when, when you know, well, you're going to bear uh, you, you, you you, you bury the safe? Safe. How big of a safe are we talking about? Oh, hopefully it continues, continues to be perpetually used. I mean, that's the halacha, whether they do it practically and, or not. And, it's and mitzvah, kedusha. That's a question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. It's interesting. I was in a shul. I was in a shul. I'm sure you bring just recently the Ralbag shul in in the Upper East Side, and they have two Aron Kodeshes there. One's clearly old and one's new. This is like I went five six weeks ago. My brother-in-law lives in the Upper East Side, so I asked the gabbai. I said, "What's shot with having two Arons in there?" Now, if probably never been, it's a small shul. The first one was custom made, so that and it's like a. Nine foot ceiling, ten foot, very claustrophobic in the shul. It's like nine, ten feet high. When they put, built the new one, they were not able to take the old one out without breaking it. So they didn't want to do a derech bizayon. They'd have to actually break it, and it was still functional. It's not like it was broken already that they can go ahead. 
but they didn't want to destroy it, so they just keep it there. They have an extra aron. It's interesting, but um, I, I'm you know theoretically you're asking what the status and what halacha is or what practical is. Are they going to bury a safe that you can't break and that's that big? I don't know, but it has a status. If it's housing the safer Torah, it has a status of tashmishe mitzvah. Okay, vaiter. So let's go on now. So. So if you do it one or two times, so again, this was a hazmana. We paskin like hazmana lav milsi, that designated, but, but, if you buy it and you use it, that already is evident that's designated for that. So which means that our tefillin bags cannot be used to store, you can't put your cell phone in your tefillin bag. Put it in your towels bag. Best thing is not to bring the shul all together. We discussed this last week about diving from a cell phone. But, but, but your tefillin bag, you should not put anything in. Your talents bag, you can. Let's just do one or two lines. So we did a little bit of Gemara today. So the Gemara discusses, and we'll pick this up next week. We are on the bottom of Chaf Gimel Amud Beis. So, it says, Boy Minei. Boy Minei, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Nechunim, Rav Yehuda, Mashini, Chalim, Tfilim, Tachas, Marash, Asav. Can one, where are we all? In about ten lines up. No? About seven, eight lines up. Okay. So, he says, follows, can a person put tefillin under his pillow? Can you go to sleep with, under, put it under your head? So he says that, what is the We know that you can't put it under your feet. You can't put it under your bed. That's a derech mizayin, of course. Your feet are smelly. You walk on your feet. Maybe put it under your head. Can you do that? <clears throat> Why? The only question is, can you put the tefillin under your head? My, so what is the halacha? So Amar says, You can go ahead and put it on your head even if your wife is sleeping next to you. With, by the way, that means, that's a nice way of saying that you plan on having Tashmish that night. If your wife is sleeping next to you but she's a Nida and you're not having Tashmish, then that, 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 that's not referring to this. Then you can put it there. His Chiddush says, even if your wife is sleeping with you and you plan on, on having intimacy that night, you can still put it under your head. Okay, now, Gemara says, Mezvei, but I have, a kash, I have a price that goes against what Shmuel says. I know that I can't go ahead and put tefillin under my feet at night because it's going to be dark bizarre it's disgraceful. I can put it under my head. But if my wife was next to me and she was in the state of Tara, then it's Aser. Doesn't that suggest the opposite of what Shmuel just said? Shmuel just said, you can put it under your head even if your wife is with you. Now, a couple caveats. It doesn't mean that the tefillin, you're actually putting your head right on top of the tefillin. The tefillin are under your pillow, but to the corner of the pillow. It doesn't mean actually that you can, first of all, I can't imagine it being comfortable, but secondly, it's derech bizayon to actually put your head, now you can put it under the, under the pillow. What's the whole reason for this? The whole genesis for this is no, just, no, thank you. It's just derech shmira. So the question is, what takes precedence? Are we, remember we spoke about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the walls of the bathroom. You worried about either the, in that case, there was a zone who came and took it and it was Mavayesh, the Talmud, and said, look what he left me and he committed suicide. Or are we worried more about the Akhbarim, the vermin, the rodents who are going to take it and start munching on and chewing on the Ritzuos. Either way. So the question is here, what, what's a bigger concern? Is it the Derech Bizayon or is it the Shmira? So ostensibly, it seems to be that Shmira is the bigger concern here. So, now, we disagree with Shmuel. This price says you cannot put it under your pillow if your wife is next to you, meaning that you can have intimacy that night. But let's say there's a, a second stage, a second level by the bed. So at the edge of the bed, there's a, a, another shelf that comes out, platform that comes out, three tefachim lower or three tefachim higher, which clearly suggests it's on a different level than where you'll be with your wife. 
then um, then it's mutter. But only then it's mutter. But what does that suggest that Shmuel was? Was wrong. Shmuel said you can have it. So Shmuel says tiyufta the Shmuel tiyufta. So in fact, it is a, a question at Shmuel. Although the, the halacha, we'll have to pick up from here. We'll pick up from this Gemara. We'll see that the halacha is like Shmuel, even though, even though um, th- that this Gemara has, has a perach on him. We'll pick up. There's a lot of halacha about filling next week. We'll we'll pick up. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. 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 Yeah.